Here we go. Rejecting the screen. Noah Kozlov out here on the East Coast, out West. Adam Stanko, just two plug-in dudes talking hoops and a little mm-hmm. bit of life. As we record this on Monday as the playoffs begin, you'll be listening to this on Tuesday. We appreciate all the love we got on the Reggie Theus podcast. Go back and listen to the going ISO edition of Rejecting the Screen that we put out last Thursday with Reggie Theus, why he called Kevin Lockery, his former head coach in Chicago, an asshole. Go back and listen <laughs> to Reggie start Theus. Start podcast with that. Dante Jones, Stu Jackson, Gerald Henderson, NBA skills trainer Rob McClanahan recently, Lindsey Hunter, Mark Jackson, the Temple mm. big man, and so many others on the Rejecting the Screen feed, the going ISO edition. So with the playoffs starting, I want to start with a prediction. Not who's going to win it all. There's so many other shows that can give you that. So, Adam, prediction? Well, first off, Noah, I think we're playing with fire here because we're making a prediction, and mine's going I'm, – I'm going to play with fire because mine's going to be about the Sixers and local Sixers Philly media. This idea that I think the Sixers are going to play really well without Ben Simmons, and it is going to ramp up the, hey, it's time to move on, with just Joel Embiid talk big time, which I vehemently disagree with. And I think roster construction is critical with that team. I think the fact that Matisse Thibel, who's going to get a chance to play big minutes in this series, uh, is is significant. And, you know, battling the Celtics, like Matisse Thibel is such a special defensive player. We talked about it last year during the draft, never mind then coming into this mm-hmm. this season. So uh, I, I just think the Sixers are going to play well. I think Embiid's got something to prove. And I think with all of that being said, you're going to hear that talk that we always hear whispers of, oh, which one? How many conversations with your old buddies from, I forget where you're from, Cheltenham, Abington, somewhere Whoa, in that. Whoa, no, no, you don't, you, don't, you don't ever say Cheltenham, Abington. Cheltenham and Abington are rivals. I'm from oh. Abington. Oh, yeah. I didn't know if you lived on one side, went to school. The You know, those things are confusing sometimes. You know I'm from Westchester. That's that's a given. So, although I was right on the border, so if you said I went to Gray Valley High School, that would tick me off too. Westchester, you is you are from life. the sticks. No, no, the opposite. The well, maybe Westchester's got its own little, a little town there, but I it, and it's booming. But but you know all your buddies from Abington, right? All your buddies mm-hmm. from Abington. You're on your text threads and stuff. You know the question always comes up. Hey, which one you choosing? You know, which one which one would you choose? Simmons or MP to build your team around moving forward? Who you choose and who you choose? And by the way, it doesn't have to be a choice. That's the joke of the whole situation. I mean, you can play around and describe whether you want Ben Simmons to play power forward and shake Milton to play point guard or not. But it's not a choice about which would you rather have right now. The Sixers are not in that position to choose Simmons or MP. So what did I say before the season started when we did the tomorrow's headlines today? For the full preview on Locked On NBA, all the all the team podcasts, all thirty teams, and then us, we did we did tomorrow's headlines today. That was our bit for rejecting the screen. And I said the Sixers are going to miss JJ Redick more than Jimmy Butler. Yes, you did. And I think that's I think that is borne out to be correct because the mm-hmm. Sixers miss shooting. If you had to choose between one of them, I would take. Embiid, but 
you don't have the rest of the roster around him in order to fulfill that. So the six, like as currently constituted, I'm not comfortable as for the Sixers to to start going with Embiid or Ben Simmons. Like, I don't think the rest of the team, I don't think the rest of the team is built for either one of them, but maybe if, if you just had, if you just took one player off that other play, and you weren't adding anybody else, then I actually, I, I do think maybe Simmons would be better with the rest of this team, but the roster, the way it's constructed is so poor that there's not enough shooting there. So if you're going to have Joel Embiid and the attention that he gets, it's pretty simple that you need all, you need all that shooting around him and Ben Simmons can play make and you need all the shooting around him, but you can have those two guys on the floor in those positions. And I was really looking forward to seeing Simmons at the four and, and Embiid at the five, but the rest of that team, there's simply not enough shooting out there. And here's the thing. Anytime you look at successful teams in the past, the rule of thumb is typically three shooters on the floor at one point in time. So you can at least have that, that spacing available because everyone else spaces. And it's weird with the Sixers because I think their problems to your, to your point are magnified because they don't have shooting. So it's like guys can play off Ben Simmons, dare him to shoot and get in the paint because it also helps if Simmons, if uh, Embiid's in the paint, same thing for Embiid. Like, Embiid steps out by the three-point line, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, why isn't he putting his butt in the post? It's like, well, actually, in some situations, it's better for them because how many other three-point shooters are they putting out on the floor? To your point, with no with no J.J. Redick. So I think about all the teams with great players who required a lot of attention. Teams filled up the rest of the roster. And I don't care whether you're talking about the Utah Jazz with the Carmelone or the Bulls with the Michael Jordan or certainly we've seen what the Warriors have done. But, like, even with the Rockets, with James Harden, like, he, anytime you have a player that, that draws that much attention to him, having shooters around him is always the recipe for success, and the Sixers haven't taken advantage of that. But I do think we're going to see Embiid play great. We're going to see the Sixers play well, and, and this talk will start up once again. Hey, let's move forward with just Joel Embiid, also forgetting the long and sordid injury history he's got. That's for sure. And I'm going to get more into Embiid in a few moments when we talk about who has the most to prove. Because so far, actually, you know what? I'll save it. My prediction, media related, when a team goes down 2-0, my prediction is that we're going to start a drinking game with media (laughs) questions of, so how different does this feel not going home. <laughs> yes. You I go down, thought about it. You go down 2-0 on the road, and it's, well, you know, that's always the player's answer is, well, you know, we're going back home. We'll do We'll take care of our business, and then we'll get back out here. So you, you know that. Yeah, and there's always, always the question of, or maybe I should start doing this. I would, I'd be inebriated in a hurry. But with the post game press conferences, the one one of the, the question always is how how big was it to get this first one? Oh. Like why why even even ask the question? Just just say, uh, hey, uh, you know, give me something about tonight um, that that you want to talk about. Like, I, I'd, <laughs> I'd say, rather I'd rather just say that. They say uh, they they say uh, a series doesn't start until road until the road, road team wins. Until the road one. team wins one. So so did the series start? <laughs> tonight because you technically are the road team 
that's coming. There's How different one. does it feel? How different does it feel? I that's that's a classic. Noah, you and I discussed this idea about home court advantage, and you and I sort of have different ways to look at it. Within the course of a game, it's interesting because I think within the course of the game for a series, if you're in trouble, I don't think it's as bad because the pressure's not as crazy because you're not in an away arena. But as you've pointed out, in a weird way, you can feed off of that, still have to play, and it doesn't feel as real. If it's over the course of a series and you're down, you're down 3-0, chalk that baby up to a sweep. Nobody wants to stick oh, around yeah. in this. Oh, that's that's this the 1-2-3 uh, Cancun, but no one's going to Cancun. It's just 1-2-3 escape. <laughs> down 2-0, down big at half. Game three, forget it. I will say this, the, the, I, I, uh, and again, playing with fire here because who knows how the playoff games will be, will be today as we, as we record this, but I will say watching the Blazers Grizzlies, I was loving the intensity from both teams. Mm -hmm. It it really was cool to see. And maybe it's just, uh, it's this idea of the play in tournament as they call it, really turn into a play in game, but but I love the the intensity that both teams were displaying. It really felt like, wow, it didn't matter. It's one of those things. doesn't matter where we play. Who cares? Let's go right now to the local high school gym and just get it on. We want to go and play this game. That's how both teams sort of approached it. You could feel the pressure for the young Grizzlies got to them late, and you could feel like how important it was to CJ and Dame on, on the Blazers. I thought that was really cool, and I'm hoping that we still see, and I don't think there's any reason not to believe that, We'll see a continuation of that as as play is ramped up a bit in the playoffs, which I didn't know that we would necessarily see it take off like that. One thing that I think might help up the intensity that I I thought about over the past few days is Mm -hmm. if if more and more teams as as a unit show up at some of the other playoff games Mm. so that they're constantly in that mindset. So it's not just they go back to the hotel or they go out to dinner, that they're constantly in the high-intensity mode all the time, sitting there watching the games and, and maybe even feeding off and seeing what else has happened in these other games to, to carry them forward. One other thing that Richard Deitch pointed out in his, his medium, media column, which, which I didn't read, but he excerpt Kevin Harlan. Was <laughs> I love that some- you didn't read was something that ex- I exact something exactly that we mentioned like uh before the bubble even started was how mm-hmm. it would look from a broadcast side of things yes and yes. and he and he highlighted this passage from and if you don't know Richard Deitch the media critic media writer for the athletic formerly of sports illustrated one of the smartest guys in the in on the planet because he got out of the United States and moved to Toronto. But he, he highlighted Kevin Harlan saying that you can't lay out because you, there's no, there are no fans and how that impacts a broadcaster who's used to just big call layout, let the crowd take it. You feel it. And that's exactly mm-hmm. what he highlighted. So I just want to point out that if you've been listening to the podcast, these are the types of things that you might've gotten six weeks ago coming up Absolutely. most to prove in the bubble before going in the guy I mentioned has already proven it. Adam, something I always say when our family is trying to, or groups of friends, when people used to get together, Mm -hmm. but it still pertains now for the family. When you're ordering food, like, well, I don't really want this. I don't want this. And I've always said, it doesn't, 
it doesn't matter. Like we don't have to order from the same place because of delivery. It's not like we're running mm-hmm. out and running all over Manhattan to, to pick up these things. And that's, it's even heightened with DoorDash because it brings you all the food, whatever you want, right to your door. And it's so easy on the app. You choose what you want to eat. And then your food these days is going to be left safely outside your door with all contactless delivery drop-off settings. Mm -hmm. So all the restaurants that you've used to go to, now you can get them and you don't have to worry about only supporting one restaurant. You can, on one night, you can order from three or four different restaurants. Mm -hmm. And so many of your favorite local restaurants are still open for delivery. And if I tell you the local spots where I order in New York, then you might know where I live. And I don't want you knowing that, but that's what we're, that's what we're going to be doing once we get back into Manhattan. Did you mean me specifically? Or are you talking to the, the listener? The collective, the collective you and you specifically right now. Okay. Our listeners get five hours off and zero delivery delivery fees in their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and then just enter the code LOCKEDONNBA, L-O-C-K-E-D on NBA. $5 off, zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store, enter the code LOCKEDONNBA, LOCKEDONNBA, $5 off your first order with DoorDash. Going into the bubble, I said the guy with the most approved was Adam Silver. And most mm. really, I think we did. I think we did most to gain. Yeah, most to gain. Yeah. And if Adam Silver wanted to run for president, he'd win. He's he has oh. gained his approval rating is a hundred percent. No, I I just spoke to a buddy of mine who's a producer uh, for ESPN, and he's in the bubble, and he was blown away as someone inside the bubble with the way that this whole production has been handled. I, as a viewer and someone who worked at ESPN, you and I both being longtime TV production guys, understand the business and the inner workings. As a viewer, I am blown away. I catch myself sometimes of like, oh yeah, there's there's nobody there. On the other side that they're not showing, those, mm-hmm. those seats are all blacked out. The, the lighting has needed to be altered. The technology's been incredible. We're talking about zero cases right now within the bubble, how they've separated the players from media members. What Adam Silver and ESPN did, along with what Disney has done, uh, and along with what the NBA, uh, and along with what ESPN has done, is just just blown me away. You're talking, and I know ESPN, Disney, same thing, but three separate organizations, essentially. And, And the fact that they've all come together to pull this off in the midst of the pandemic, it's not like they knew, hey, we're going to be facing this critical situation. It's unique. Let's work as hard as we can before the pandemic hits. It's like in the midst of the pandemic, hey, let's be innovative. Let's think about new ways to approach things. What new technology do we have? How do we make the aesthetics work? How do we make the acoustics work? How do we make the cameras work? Broadcasters, all of those things have combined for just an unbelievable production. The fact that they're have been no cases. The safety concerns have all been handled. Um, there have been a few cases of guys leaving the bubble, but even those, like the returns have worked out. Um, I just, I, I can't say enough. And of course, how they've handled all the social justice issues. I cannot say enough about the job that the league did. And, and as you point out, Adam Silver specifically, um, tremendous, tremendous work. 
know what? Because of the social justice issues, I guess Adam Silver's approval rating wouldn't be 100% in the country, but be 100. It would be it would be enough. It would certainly be enough to get to get elected. And the reason, you know, I'm I'm my back is my shoulders hurting a little bit from from patting ourselves on the back. Keep but the going. reason I'm the reason I'm doing it is because I'm so tired of, and we're gonna get to most approve in a moment. I'm so tired of people on Twitter. You with, could stop. Yeah, right. <laughs> with quote unquote NBA credentials, pointing out obvious stuff all the time. Hit me. Hit me with one. No, we don't. We don't have time for this. Oh, it's it's everywhere. No, you're everywhere. you're right. I had said before this whole thing started. I mean, clearly that I I had bad feelings about it. A working, which I've been totally proven wrong mm-hmm. because it did work, and everything that they thought of and took care of was awesome. But B, I was concerned about it setting a bad tone for the rest of the country. And there's still a belief there where it's like, hey, look, the NBA can do it. And I'm seeing it in other businesses, other sports organizations, clearly, where leagues, organizations, individuals think they can just power through this and get through without taking the same precaution. And they don't understand how much, it's like when you watch a great movie and every loose end is tied up and you're like, wow, I didn't think they would think about that. Well, yeah, but what about, no way, there's no way she would forget that and her car keys and no, no, they take care of that. It's like NBA has thought of everything and we laughed at them throwing out card decks and all that kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, they thought of almost everything, almost everything. Maybe not Lou Williams hitting up a gentleman's establishment, but even that they dealt with. And they dealt with it in the right way. I just think that no one else is going to be able to pull it off like the NBA has. And so I give them credit. But I am also still worried that because they pulled it off, you've got a bunch of other jokers out there that are going to think that they can follow suit in the real world. And it's just not that simple. Please stay it's, safe out there. The, re- the real world is so far from real at the moment. Most to prove. Let's, let's fly through this now that mm-hmm. we've eaten up most of this segment. Joel Embiid, most approved. Mm-hmm. This is so he's played three plus years in the league, two time All NBA. He's played in nineteen playoff games. So let's look back two years ago when they ended up losing in the Eastern Conference semis to the Celtics. In that series, when they lost four one to the Celtics, in that series, Embiid played thirty seven minutes, and he was twenty three and fourteen on forty four percent shooting and 24% from three. And in those playoffs as a whole, he was a 48% shooter from two. And during the season, he was a 53% shooter from two. Last year, in 11 games in the playoffs, he was 20, 10 and a half, two blocks. Mm. His, he was down... His field goal percentage was down to 43 from 48 during the regular season. Two-point field goal percentage was down from 53.5 during the regular season to 46.5 in the playoffs. That's significant. And then in that Raptors series, he was 17-9 and on 37% shooting. Joel Embiid, as dominant as he is at times, and what I give him the most credit for is his free throw shooting. That he gets right. he gets beat he gets beat up a ton and and he has hit so many big free throws late, but Joel Embiid 
needs to show that you can outsmart the game. You've got, if you're going to be the self-proclaimed most dominant player in the league, I'm not saying you get the ball in the block every time and you lower your shoulder and see what happens because I just don't simply don't think he has the energy for it. But Joel Embiid has to be the most dominant player in the Eastern Conference for the Sixers to get to the finals and for Brett Brown to keep his job. And a lot of that's timing too, right, Noah? In terms of what you're talking about, IQ, it's when you attack, when you soften a defense so that you're then drawing double teams later knowing when they're going to come is is obviously significant. I, that's It's awesome analysis. I For me, I think it's pretty simple. I think the guy with the most to gain is James Harden. And, I mean, what he would do with a tremendous run through these playoffs, he needs – I mean, ultimately, we talked about it before when we talked uh, a few weeks ago, guys most in need of an NBA title. And Harden's the guy. Because when you look at what he's been doing statistically, first of all, this year – I mean, do people even realize he's not even in the MVP discussion and he's putting up 34 points seven assists and six boards a game. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's over those numbers, more than seven assists, more than six boards a game. I mean, and not in the MVP discussion. And obviously everyone will say, well, he takes a lot of shots and their team wasn't, you know, fighting for the Western Conference regular season title. Over the last four seasons, in 2016-17, 29 points, 11 assists a game. Then it was 30 points, nearly nine assists a game. Then 36 points, seven and a half assists a game last season. But the problem is, during those same four years, obviously no titles, no even trips to the NBA Finals. Mm -hmm. And in the playoffs, his scoring average over those four years has gone up every year. It was 26, then 28.5, then 28.6, and then last year, 31.6. But his shooting percentage in those four seasons, 410, 413, 410, 413. So consistently struggling and that's from the field not even from distance part of it's shot selection part of it is just him being the same thing you talked about with Embiid exhausted understanding when to trust his teammates and this season especially playing this small ball lineup understanding all these guys have to contribute defensively he reaches in gets his steals PJ Tucker uh does what he does Robert Covington of course playing a five-man role oftentimes these guys are different and it's got to be different and I just think James Harden, we can talk about stats till the cows come home, but until he actually gets a team into the finals, I don't care whether it's during the bubble, people aren't going to take him seriously. I think his shooting numbers are going to go up crazily in this. Is that a word? A crazy sure. amount? Okay. In these playoffs. And then I think that we are going to see him go on a tear. And if it, if it turns into team success, if he's hitting shots and this team has success, then – Harden all of a sudden will get a lot of, I think, the credit that I, I think he doesn't he doesn't get at this point because there's still knocks about his defense and the fact that he hasn't won, and he can erase one of those things by making him run through this playoff bubble. I want to see it. I really do. I want to see it happen. Speaking of Harden, let's talk MVP narratives. <laughs> yeah, my dad's looking for a new car. Really? And yeah, and the guy that he goes to to get car parts fixed, et cetera, at the at the local gas station. And he said, Well, you know, I, I gotta get a, a car that 
he knows the mechanic that he that he knows a lot about so he can can work on it and i said well what about you just going to to rockauto.com and getting that's where you can get the parts and then you don't have to send him on some sort of wild goose chase you can do a lot of this together and you don't even have to fix it but you can do this a lot together and rockauto.com is a family business which is nice. And it's nice to be able to support a family business that's been online for 20 years. And rockauto.com is where you can shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything. And so many Mm -hmm. things you didn't even think were car parts. They have that remarkably easy to navigate catalog where you can see all the parts available for your vehicle. You can choose the brand specifications and significantly prices you prefer. And speaking of prices, the prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals like the mechanic and do-it-yourselfers like anyone in my family. So why Hmm. spend up to twice as much for the same parts? This doesn't make any sense. No, it doesn't. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck. Right, Locked on in their how-did-you-hear-about-us box so that they know we sent you. That's important. Help us out. Locked on in the how did you hear about us box. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. So Adam, have you figured out how an MVP is voted on? I'm starting to get a sense that it's much different than I anticipated or I was led to believe when I was just a youngster coming up. It wasn't just the guy who led his team to the most wins, maybe he was the statistically the highest achiever. I don't remember as a kid or even, you know, five years ago, hearing a lot about what he did off the court to keep a team together or anything aside from on the court. Maybe, maybe, maybe that's how we're evolving as a society, that we're supposed to be taking more of these things into account. The NBA does not lay out, these are the specifications. These are the guidelines. It's got to be this, and especially they should do something with games played. But, but they don't. But it leads to conversations. But it seems like in the LeBron Giannis MVP discussion that – Giannis leading his team to the best record in basketball and being the best defensive player in the league Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. isn't enough for some because LeBron is much older and still succeeding. And he's had to deal with things like the China trip and Kobe's death. (laughs) And that these are the types of things that make you an MVP. It's so strange to me that we are redefining what the word valuable means. Uh, It seems like everyone can agree on most and everyone agrees these guys are all players. No, no. I don't think we're disagreeing on what is most. I don't think it's the valuable part. I think it's the P. I think it's, is it most valuable person or is it most valuable Uh, player? Player. mm. Player is the, this is most valuable player on the court. Player, most valuable player. It's to your team, or is it most valuable person to your organization? That's, or at least that's where I'm getting tripped up. Well, it certainly is. I mean, 
Ramona Shelburne's been been out front of this saying, and this is what started this discussion, her saying that she was voting for LeBron for MVP because she's she enjoys the narratives and she loves the narrative of what he overcame this year and they've been able to accomplish. And then it's backed up with just like anything else, you, you take a side in anything. And all of a sudden you have, and we see it in politics all the time. You could take any stance that you possibly want. Oh, um, Thailand is pronounced that way in certain southwest parts of Australia. You know, like, it's like, okay, come on. There's always people that will find a way to defend. And that's what I've already seen with the Ramona Shelburne thing is like, here's people now that are coming to the forefront saying, well, yeah, think about how difficult that is to overcome and, and dealing with adversity. That has to be part of the player aspect of this the person aspect as you as you just mentioned or his age i'm hearing well he's the oldest to ever have the assist crown and he's got double digit assist numbers and it's like yeah that's amazing if you want to say lebron james you feel like was the most valuable player in the nba this season and the lakers were the top team in the league this season you that that you are entitled to that opinion and you can vote for him i'm fine with that what I take issue with is saying you're going to vote for LeBron James for MVP because he got a lot of assists and transformed his game at the age that he is now. Like that's a problem to me. I don't I don't think that 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 carries any weight at all and to your point. I mean, the Bucks were first in points a game this year, right? They're also first in defensive rating. What Giannis did in terms of his overall dominance defensively would have already considered him to be MVP worthy. But then you throw in the fact that this guy has been able to produce at the level that he has offensively this year, nearly 30 points a game, nearly 14 rebounds, almost six assists a game. He has been a dominant offensive force. Right. And, 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 how many, and, right. and in how many minutes a game? He's playing what, like 30? He's, he's playing 30 minutes a game. Exactly. He's playing 30 minutes. His per 36-minute numbers, nearly 35 points a game, 16 boards a game, six and a half assists. No. I mean, that is absurd. He's also shooting 55% from the field. And you know what the knock that I hear on him? Well, he's not a great shooter. Oh, so we're valuing we're, – we're calling most valuable to be the guy that really shoots the ball well from three. And by the way, LeBron's not lighting the nets on fire. I mean – also, the other big one I've heard, well, the Lakers haven't won over the last – they haven't gotten to the playoffs over the last few years. And look, LeBron led them to the playoffs okay. this year. Okay. Did they add anyone in the offseason? No. Do you remember them adding anyone? So, so can we – how about we play – how about we play the narrative – oh, yeah, and Anthony Davis. How about we play the game of, well, what if we – the old MVP game was if you took that guy off the team. So exactly. if you took If you took the – if you took LeBron – off the Lakers and took Giannis off the Bucks. That Bucks team likely not making the playoffs in the West. I in the East, agreed. they're a, they're a middle of the pack team. Sure. Take LeBron off the Lakers in the West. They're I think probably the seven eight seed in the Western. That's Conference. what I was going to say because Ant- say because seven. Anthony Davis is that good. Yeah. I mean, who's who's better? The Thunder? Who's better? The Thunder right now is currently constructed or the Lakers sans LeBron? Thunder. But it's close. 
It's close. Yeah, because Anthony Davis hasn't proven that over the years that he can, well, just once, I guess, when he took him to the playoffs and then swept Portland. But over right. the, you know, in with the spotlight in LA to carry a team completely on his back. But he, but yeah. hasn't, he hasn't had to. They're also better, by the way. The rest of the Lakers are, this, this Lakers team is currently constructed. The rest of that team is better than any other group that, I think that Anthony Davis, Anthony played, Davis with. played on. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Sure. Sure. But, but anyway, but, go this ahead is, but this isn't a knock on LeBron either. We're just oh. saying that, that Giannis is the MVP and what LeBron is doing is, at this point, all of those, all of those things, those, the narrative or the most assists at, at this age, what that does is strengthen his case or build his case for greatest of all time. That's, and that's the point. And you and you might then say, well, look, you want what what would strengthen his case even more would be an MVP at this age. Sure, it would, but the fact is, he's not the MVP of the league. This is player, most valuable player, not most valuable person to keep a team together. And you could even make the argument that Giannis is even more valuable. And how do you compare the two? Like, why? That's the reason why it's player. Because everybody goes through similar things on the court during a season. Like you're you're yeah. playing you're playing the games. You're not comparing hardship off the court to one another. Well, Giannis didn't do this, or Giannis didn't have to deal with this. But we don't. We also don't know if Giannis dealt with certain hardships over the during the season. Did Giannis have a baby this year? And I'm not. Com- and I'm not comparing Giannis becoming a father to right. Kobe passing away or the the situation that they had to deal with in, in China. But what are we supposed to do now with Giannis? Clock how much sleep he was actually getting because he had a baby. And, oh, well, look what he's doing. It's even more incredible because he now has a child. Come on. Listen, Come on. Uh, the baby was born in February. All right. So there you go. He had to deal with that, Noah. It's it look, your point though is so well taken. It's that ultimately the the fear that I have with this stuff. Again, you think LeBron was the most valuable player in the league over Giannis based upon what we saw on the court this year and and the level of play they raised their teams to or whatever the the, the you're basing it on. On the court that we have seen, as you say, e- e- even playing field. Fine. I'm fine with you choosing LeBron. I'm just not okay with the fact that you are going to say that it's because it makes for a better story. Because ultimately, Noah, I, I absolutely agree that's really what's going on there is people are ultimately saying, I think LeBron deserves another ring. Look what he's done. Isn't it incredible? And but I mean, no, no, sorry, another award. Because the MVP award now, you start to say, and look what he did over 10 assists a game. Incredible. That now, again, give, builds a stronger case for the GOAT argument. And by the way, let me end on one statistic for you. There are only two players in NBA history to be over six foot six and accumulate 750 assists in a single season. One is Magic Johnson. The other one is... Giannis. No. But you Reggie would think Theist. LeBron. 
you would think it was Reggie Theus. That was going to be my you, first guess, actually. You would think it, but my point is, you would think it would be LeBron, right? Yeah. But the thing is, he had 747 one year, so just missed that 750 mark. Mm, and yeah. this season, he would have smashed that, but obviously, we lost yeah, a lot he, of games. Right, he had to deal with the, the loss of the season, and Giannis did Oh, oh yeah, you know what? That's right. MVP. Uh, oh, and sorry. LeBron's playing in the bubble, and Giannis isn't. Oh, no, no, they're, no, they're all playing. Yeah, they're all but, playing there. LeBron did he, did. he did build a school, Noah. And he's got a media empire. So yeah. I'm going back and forth, but I guess got to go LeBron there. I'm a narratives guy. Sports, Sports Illustrated Person of the Year is different than NBA MVP. Thank you. Go back and check out everything else on the Locked On Podcast Network. So much to offer. Locked On NBA five days a week. Ben Goliver from the Washington Post host on Thursday with David Locke, the founder of this podcast network and radio voice of the Utah Jazz. And Goliver is in the bubble. So get mm-hmm. specific insight there. Chad Ford's NBA Big Board, all things NBA draft. Got the lottery coming up on Thursday. Hollinger and Duncan, John Hollinger and Nate Duncan doing things that only they can do. Josh Lloyd with Locked on Fantasy Hoops and your team every day, all 30 teams every single day, and even some crossovers with teams playing each other. A lot going on on the Locked on Podcast Network. We're on Instagram at rejecting underscore the underscore screen. Adam is on Twitter at NaismithLives. I'm at Noah Kozlov, C-O-S-L-O-V. Again, check out the Going ISO editions we've done recently, all on the Rejecting the Screen feed. Some of those stories that you'll hear whenever you guys can get together, whenever we can all get together at dinner parties, these are the types of stories that you'll be telling your friends about who love hoops also. Reggie Theus, Dante Jones, Stu Jackson, Gerald Henderson, Lindsey Hunter, Rex Walters, Adam Morrison, Sean Marion, Eddie Johnson, Ryan Hollins, Anthony Morrow, Earl Watson. Kevin Willis, Richard Jefferson, Peter Vesey, Howard Beck, so many more. You'll be able to take little nuggets from each of these episodes and then say, yo, did you ever hear this story? And it leads to a great conversation. Adam, thanks, pal. You are the best.